and welcome to episode 226 of the Waters Waveland podcast. I'm your host, Wei Shen, and as usual, I've got my favorite co-host with me here today. Hey, Tony, how are you doing? I'm well. Uh, just finished watching the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know how much you know about the Super Bowl football in America and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's... Uh... I, I, I know it more for the entertainment, I guess, the, the halftime. Well, so... <laughs> God, I'm going to really make myself sound old right now, but I didn't know who this, I, I, I know I'd heard his song, but so the halftime entertainer was, a uh, this guy called the weekend. <laughs> and, oh my uh, God. Yeah, I know. Right. And, uh, he spells his name weird. So I know that about him. <laughs> just, just today. I know I've heard his song. Like he, I, I can't, I, I couldn't tell you oh the name God. of the song, but I'd heard it. I guess, but yeah, I had no idea who the dude was, and then, uh, and it's funny because I do try and listen to current music. I, I don't want to be the old guy that's like, "Who's the weekend?" I, I thought it's today's Sunday. It's the weekend, you know. I don't want to be that guy, but uh, yeah, uh, I was like, I don't really know this guy at all, but I have heard his songs, so Man, it's a good show. Rap, it's a good performance. Rap's really gonna shit on you for that. I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, what else is new? Add it to the laundry list of things she makes fun of me for, so. <laughs> well, I guess the thing is, like, you're not really that old since you, you like Taylor Swift a lot. Yeah. So, that's Lord, it. I'm a huge Lord fan. Yeah. Uh, I like that Dance For Me, Dance For Me, Dance For Me monkey song that you sent me. Mm. <laughs> uh I think it's called the. I think she's called t- the Tone, Tones and I. No, uh, sure. Yeah. My name's Tones, so yeah, it's good. Mm. But yeah, it's a great, pretty incredible because I'm 41, podcast right now, and Tom Brady, who just won his seventh true precedent, did what he's doing. He just won a Super Bowl at the age of 43, and uh, he's married to Giselle Bundchen. Yeah, I mean that guy's just got. His life's his life's turned out pretty okay for him, you know. It's uh, there's got to be some secret he's made with a devil somewhere, but yeah. <laughs> By the way, have you watched any of his videos? As in the weekend, you should you should watch it. No, I I I don't think I will. But <laughs> no, I'm I'm telling you, you should watch it. Um, just yeah, some <laughs> kind of uh, satanic <laughs> there. Um, but. Yeah, okay. you, you watch yeah, it and go hey, like, what weird. the f-? Okay, I'm the first one who swore today, so, well. Twice. Dropped, uh, you, you said <laughs> so. <laughs> now you said it. <laughs> mm, <or> even. <laughs> okay, That's what well, we're talking about today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today, uh, I want to talk to you a, a little bit about uh, the M&A, M&A situation. I know we, we just dropped a, uh, well... We gave the, the rest Scoop of it, the... they say. Yes, a jab. A jab, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> to the rest yeah, of no, the uh, industry. But yeah, tell us a little bit about that first before we get into more specifics. Sure. Uh, so we broke the news that that group has acquired Dash Financial, um, the options execution platform provider from private equity firm FlexPoint Ford. FlexPoint Ford. I uh, don't know the the details of the financials, but it's expected to close in, excuse me, uh, in Q2. And 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. It's so you, you can read the article. My column's going to go up. It's going to be on this. So we don't want to have too much overlap. But since the people that listen to this podcast, a lot of you are not subscribers. I guess we can go into a little bit of some of the things that we've covered that we don't want to uh, cannibalize. You know, I mean, our subscribers, you know, they, you know, we, get, get, we got to give them the good stuff. You know, you guys get the, you guys get the scraps, I guess. But, <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, as our sources told us, um, so we'd heard from four different people that this uh, deal was ha- that this deal had actually happened at, uh, and it was signed. I think they started talking around in November. The deal was signed in December, I guess. Um, and so Ion did give us some responses, did give us kind of a canned quote um, from an executive. And, you know, where people are going to find it interesting is <clears throat> this piece will fit nicely with its Fidesa acquisition. Um, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, we've spoken about the troubles that have resulted in that acquisition as so many people uh, that were originally part of Fidesa have since uh, either uh, voluntarily left the company or have been laid off. Mm-hmm. And so with this, Dash has a lot of its senior, like its owners, uh, uh, Margos and uh, Pete Margos and, ah, God, I can't remember the other guy's name, um, but they've been there since the, the the place was founded in 2011. A lot of senior managers have been there for several years now. Um, there's been stability at the top there. So, you know, it, the concern is, you know, does this acquisition turn into Fidesa Part 2, where all the people that helped build this product now are no longer there? To give Fidesa some credit, maybe, or to, to, to give both sides of the story, some people might say with Fidesa, you know what, it could it could use a shakeup. It could use totally new blood in there, you know, get rid of the old ideas, bring in some new talent, bring in some new ideas. Let's really regenerate, rejuvenate this product. I don't know that that's totally necessary, enough, but that's that's not for me to say. That's mm-hmm. for people who have talked to us have expressed concerns about um, this massive amount of turnover. And then there's the Broadway technology um, acquisition yep. that Ion made that at the end of last year, the regulators finally approved it, um, but they had to split off the fixed income piece of it and keep the F. And so they're going to keep the FX side of the Broadway solution and the fixed income piece is going to be sold off. But again, a lot of users are a little bit concerned. Um, I want to say it was Barclays was a client of Ion switched to Broadway because it didn't want to be with Ion, and then Ion goes and buys Broadway, so they're once again a client. <laughs> so this is all to say, and we've had this conversation before, but with any acquisition, it's a people problem, right? And so I guess that that's what we're kind of looking at right now. Yeah. Uh, also, the other co-founder was uh, David Carrot. Mm. Thank you. Good job. See, good, good host there. Teamwork right there. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I guess for me, one of the interesting things of Ion is this: um, they are famously known for not liking to talk to the media. They like to be kind of secretive, I guess. 
Mm. I don't know. If they, they just don't talk to the media that much, you know, unless it's really positive news. You know, you don't see them. Like usually when we reach out to them for comment on any of these stories that we've written, it's almost always met with a no comment. With this one, they did answer some questions, um, clarify some things for us. So they were a little bit more open. To me, it's a company that could greatly benefit from its from improving its public communications. Right. You don't have to talk to Waters Technology, right? You, you, there's, there's not a ton of players in the um, B2B trade uh capital markets uh technology um space right but certainly the wall street journal who is uh trying to who is close to having this story but we beat them to the punch (laughs) (laughs) and uh so but you could talk to them the ft of course you know they're they're in technology business insider any of the, the the more mainstream publications right because you know, as I say in my column, like you can be a secretive hedge fund that doesn't talk to anybody. But to be a technology company that's growing and growing through acquisition, not organically, but it's growing and growing through acquisition, you know, you gotta get in front of the messaging. Like the fact that this deal was signed in December and they were just gonna, I guess, go until Q two once the regular FINRA and announces, as opposed to being like put out the press release and say, hey, listen, this is a really positive thing or feed it just straight up to, you know, whoever it is. You know, again, I, I'm not saying that people got to talk to us. You know, we're a small, very niche player for us. We're going to usually have to do digging to unearth some some facts and, and mm-hmm. information. But I think that that's where they're failing right now is they're they're losing the perception game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess. um uh, I mean, I, I totally agree with you that they could definitely use some good PR, uh, and and whoever is handling their PR uh, probably can do a much better job at do, well, at making them seem better as a company. Let me put it to you this way: so I can't, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure who, but when we were dealing with the um, the Fidesa story, they had a marketing person, but not a proper PR outward, you know, kind of public relations kind of person. It was a marketing person. There's and there is a there is a difference there, right? Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure if that person is there anymore. Um, but they had then signed on an agency PR. So when we were writing the Broadway technology stories, we were going through an agency PR. Um, as best I can tell, that agency PR isn't either isn't working with them or maybe isn't working with them at the same level that they were. So there's a lot of it seems to me that there's a lot of confusion there just at their own ranks um, as to who's doing it. Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to kind of, I, I did have some clarity on that one. Mm, okay. But I guess maybe to them, perception is not as important as what they, uh, what their main strategy is, which, well, at this point, nobody seems to really, <laughs> really know, right? Since they haven't been talking to the media. And maybe there's a reason for acquisition. that. Yeah. But look, 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 look at it. Like you have a company like SSNC Technologies, Bill Stone. You know, Bill used to talk. Like when I joined ten years ago, um, it was a lot easier to get Bill on a phone and talk with him. Now it's now you're going to be talking usually to one of the product heads. But they've been massive, just like I am, very, very busy in the acquisition space, and. Uh, 
you know, but they they go out of their way to talk to um, both trade publications like us. They go out of their way to talk to you know the mainstream publications. And when you do that, I understand that when you acquire a firm, you're going to eventually start talking to the employees of the acquired, right? We we've been eventually. through a, an acquisition, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's that initial, if you're good at communicating your strategy and what you're trying to do earlier on in the process, then when you do go and acquire a firm and somebody starts to do some research on you and just starts Google searching, you know, hopefully some good positive, you know, things will come out. Here's some of the innovative new machine learning techniques we're working on. Here's how we have created interoperability, how we've switched to the cloud. Here's how this acquisition and this acquisition, how we're piecing them together and doing really cool, unique stuff. So that if I'm an engineer, um, you know, I'm a developer, I'm a product manager at the acquired firm and I, I unbought us, I could be like, ah, oh, these guys, it seems like they're doing some really that's I think where the value comes in but also the media does we love navel gazing right we, we we think we're so goddamn important we think we're just so special and if you don't talk to the media then what's the matter with you and it is true that more and more people don't need the media but I maybe we could have that conversation secondhand but I don't know is there anything maybe for you that jumped out at you for this from this uh, acquisition I guess the the key thing that you you mentioned employees, right? And at some at some at some level, uh, or at some point later, uh, only then they will find out that oh, we're being acquired, or oh, we're acquiring another company. And it depends. I wonder how it was done at um, at their previous acquisitions, actually, because and the firms that they acquired, because it's all up to management, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, uh, I've had friends working at, uh, at IHS market and when that deal was announced, they only found out from the press. <laughs> they, <laughs> I, I would imagine that would pretty much suck if you were working there and you're like, oh my God, what the heck? We're being acquired. Yeah. How come like no one told us? I mean, I uh, had a little bit of warning before, uh, you know, that news broke. Um, So it it just wouldn't feel very nice, I I guess. Um, And then all sorts of questions will come up, right? Like, uh, am I going to be replaced? How is this uh, merger going to happen? Does that mean I'm going to handle a much bigger team? Or is my team going to downsize? Or am I going to be laid off? And so there's so many uncertainties. And as as you mentioned earlier, dealing with an M&A, it's all about people management. It's it's really the people. Um, who cares about techn- the techn- technology or the business uh, that have that has to merge, you know, and and what they're going to eventually give their customers? If the people leave, like what you know, <laughs> what happened with Fidesa, like all the product guys leave, or majority of them, or the developers, and then um, all that institutional knowledge gone. Yeah. So then, then what's going to happen to the product? Um, and maybe that's the point, you know, to be fair. Again, we'll, we'll try and be fair here. Maybe that's the point. Maybe they're like, you know, we don't care that the institutional knowledge is leaving. We don't need that. You know, let's see how they handle Dash. Because Dash and Fidesz are supposed to work side by side, right? Mm. Or in some ways that they, that they, that they uh, what do you call that? They have, uh, God, I'm a journalist and I'm supposed to be good with words, but they have, uh, 
they don't overlap. They kind of connect together, but for the sell side, Jesus Christ, why do any of you listen to me? What? I, 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 I actually don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> Neither do I. They're compatible, I guess. <laughs> um, but, so maybe, they let's see how they handle Compliment. There, that's the exact word I was looking for. Mm. So, right now, um, David and Peter, uh, we know for a fact that they're staying on, or at least that's what uh, uh, Ion had told us. Um, so let's see if that senior management stays. Maybe it was, and, and granted, Dash is a much, much smaller company, I think. Um, so maybe it was Fidesa. They didn't mind the brain drain. Maybe with Dash, they'll be like, yeah, no, this is, we, this is, we want to keep these people here. But at some point, they're going to have to get better, I think, at just communicating what it is. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to, we're not, we're not looking to write bad stories about them. Like, that's not what we do. I, there are publications out there that like to just write negative, you know, just, yeah, we're going to put the knife in your back. <laughs> um, we're just looking to, to report. And our users that are users of Dash care about the fact that Ion has bought Dash. So we have to report that for our users. And if you're a competing platform of Dash, you're going to want to certainly know about it because this creates a sales opportunity for you, right? That's where mm -hmm. trade journals, that's where trade publications come in. We're, we're here to help our readers um, understand the landscape better and to help them understand how the market is shifting around them. That's what trade publications do. Um, and Ion, right now, they're just they're not speaking for themselves publicly. Right now, they're allowing just people to talk to us on background. Um, and you're not always going to get the message out that you want to get the message out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess time will tell if, you know, once they have acquired enough companies, whether they will actually put some effort into, um, well, building up their reputation. Yeah, and we know for a f well, we might be reporting soon that there's another acquisition there. But we, yeah, I'm not going to say any names of companies simply because we're still chasing after it. Um, but we do know that they, th th regardless of whether or not this other rumor we hear is true, they're going to be acquiring some other firms because they're reworking yep. their finances uh, around mm -hmm. that. So, um. I don't know. I guess it's it, you know it it just. I, I'm sure some people listen to us and they're probably like, you know, why does anybody need to talk to you? You guys are so full of yourselves. You guys think <laughs> like, oh, if people don't talk to you, then then they don't but, get any information. Um, yeah, it's like you guys you, know. you guys just want to write a story and stuff like that. It's like yeah, okay, listen, I get it. You know, um, and it's funny because you see like athletes, they no longer need to. Athletes control their whole messaging around uh their social media accounts around um they have the the, the Derek cheater thing they created the sports tribute tribune or something like that there's no reason to be honest with the media just be honest and open with the media um for many segments so if i'm a politician reporters are always looking to write a who's winning who's losing it's a horse race story right in mm -hmm. sports it's it's the same thing it's who's winning who's losing we want we want to find the juicy details stuff like that trade journalism you know we're just here to kind of i think more inform you know um we're not looking to sensationalize inform and analyze yeah yeah we don't care how many clicks a story gets overall because 
our subscription is hellaciously high, as, <laughs> as many of you know. So we don't give a crap. Like if 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 ten thousand people click on this story, that's great. We ain't gonna have ten thousand people reading that story. <laughs> They're hitting the paywall. Much less the millions of people that you know a Wall Street Journal article will get to read stuff like that. So, but there there has to be a balancing in anything of good PR and letting the industry know here's what my strategy is because that's how you attract talent. That's how you yep. you know you, you you kind of put it out there that listen we are doing cool innovative things. Here's the proof of what we're doing. And so when people start looking you up and searching you, you know, or maybe they're at a competing company and they read an article about you, be like, that sounds kind of cool what they're doing over there. Let me see what kind of job listings they have because I'm not happy here at my place, you know. Mm. That's where the value of it comes in. And I think that's where a lot of firms fail when it comes to public relations and dealing with the media. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that one. And, And the thing is, like, they're going to be bad stories written about you. Like there isn't any company, like if anybody cared about, you know, the world of info pro digital, I'm sure that they could pull up some stories of drama and all this, but no one cares about what, you know, a B2B publication uh, is doing. Right. And probably um, let's not go there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I don't even want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Neither do I, you know, ignorance. I mean, maybe is what I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I do, but yeah, I think ignorance is flipped at this point. So, yeah. <laughs> But no, it's it just, there are going to be bad stories that get written about you. But if it's a, if it's a true story, if, if you might not be happy somebody reported on it and aired your dirty laundry, but if it's true, then you should be addressing it. It offers you an opportunity to say, all right, this was something bad. How mm-hmm. can we, how can we change the narrative? Ideally, you want to do it in a real way as opposed to faking it and kind of trying to shift it but that's where the value is i think well i think negative press would always just mean would always just equal to uh an opportunity to as you said change the narrative and uh, either um tell the world or tell your users or your employees or other talents that you may want to attract that, uh, okay, this is a problem. This is how we're addressing it. And then it would just seem a lot. I mean, perception is, uh, I guess it, yeah, perception is reality. Perception is reality. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you don't have to care about it all the time. It's just similar to how we think as individuals, right? How people perceive us is, uh, not as important as who you think you are and who you know you are. Does it make sense? <laughs> yeah. It but is. it still matters. It still matters on uh, on some level. So, yeah, it depends and, what you're trying to do. Yeah. And I think too, you know, the the idea of the media of you know the way it's just been twisted now. The the whole fake news, the alternative facts. At some point. I think firms just think like, oh, yeah, I don't want to talk to me. They're just bad or just out to get us. It's like, no, at some point you got to realize that there's going to be a media. There are going to be negative articles written about you. If there's fair, then if they're fair articles and they're reported in um, in a genuine way, that, that, they're, that it's not disingenuous reporting, that they weren't just trying to look for some dirt or whatever, 
then it's a challenge, but it offers an opportunity as opposed to just dismissing it. These guys are to get us. These guys hate us. And listen, I don't know how Ion feels about us. Again, they they really don't talk to us. So this is it. This, we're talking broadly now. I'm not talking about Ion at all mm. anymore. That was earlier. Now I'm just talking about just in the fintech world, companies that like to be kind of, you know, oh, I only want to talk. The media, too many, too often, people in PR at technology companies, at banks, and at asset managers think that we do the work for them, that we're here to help you put out a press release or something like that. And to be fair, you know, the, there was a time when Waters maybe was that. That's hopefully not us anymore. Um, there's plenty of trade magazines that just do that. Just, you know, here's your press release. Let's just regurgitate what you're saying. Um, but if you can figure out how to shape that conversation, it makes you, the company, look so much better. If you can show that you have flaws, that you have challenges, but you're working to address them, you come off as more real to the talented engineers that are working on Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, to the talented programmers, stuff like that. You become a real company as opposed to, oh, yeah, no, this company thinks that they're hot shit with their AI. They don't know what the freak they're talking about because they had this senior vice president they put the senior vice president who has no idea how to describe they just say we're just the best we we have the best people with no get people that know what the fuck they're talking about get them out there get those people that can explain in good detail the cool shit that you're working on as opposed to trying to stroke some executive's ego and have that person be in front of the media yeah i mean there there have been there have been times where um, yeah, I've had like PR companies set me up with a, a senior executive of a company and they're like, oh, this person can talk about uh, how they're using AI to whatever to do whatever. Okay. And when I start really digging uh, and asking the hard questions, like the specifics of, let's say that, what are you talking about when you say AI, for example? And we, we can, I mean, we've talked about this before and, you know, the, the answer that you get sometimes is just so <laughs> generic. And then it immediately, I mean, because of the number of people we've spoken to in the past that actually have given us some of these details, you're like, oh, okay, this person is just a, a talking head, pretty much. Yeah. Um, they don't really understand what their company is doing. <laughs> there are two companies, I'm not going to mention their names here. They are huge technology providers in um in the world of uh, of capital markets and even beyond. And man, every single time you talk to one of their executives, it is just the executives like, here's how great we are. We're so great. If I start hearing an executive tell me about how great their company is and just we're really so innovative and they just stop dropping all the buzzwords like they're carpet bombing freaking, I don't know. That's when I'm just, I, I've tuned out like it, because then, like you said, once you start asking the follow-up questions, like, okay, tell me how you're innovative. You use AI. Great. AI is such a broad term. I mean, what are we talking about? You, you, machine learning. There are any numbers of dif- disciplines that are involved in machine learning. Explain to me which specific uh, um, uh, uh, capabilities, uh, strategies around uh, machine learning. You actually, use. Once or you start how asking... how it's them, being used. Yeah. How it's being used. Tell me about how... It was being done before and how it's done now. And that's where they always get caught up. It's like, 
because it's like, oh, so this was a problem. So what? It was done manually before. It's like, oh no, you know, our, our employees they were working on. It's like, no. Be honest. Talk about the actual issue. We're all adults, but we'll understand that you had a challenge, you had a problem, and you looked to technology to solve the problem. We'll understand it. It's no big deal. But that's where it all goes off the rails. Um, and so that's my – if anybody's listening to this, put knowledgeable people. Don't worry about it being the senior executive. I don't need to speak to the CEO if the CEO is literally just – you know, he's he's a good financial dude or woman. Sorry, Jesus Christ, that was sexist. Um, <laughs> man, I'll have to edit that person, piece out. Person. Person. <laughs> good person, good person. <laughs> Old habits are tough, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to improve, man. I'm trying. Yeah, you are, you are. <laughs> um, but you see, you, you got to show that you have flaws. It's okay that you have flaws. Are you trying to improve the flaws? <laughs> anyway, back in my day. <laughs> uh, <no. sighs> That's funny. I like how you proceeded to give our audience a, a true life example. There you go. It, see, as I always say, give a real example. You know, don't just say it. Show. Don't say show. One of the premier axioms of journals right there. I just showed it to you live on a podcast, even though this isn't live, but I'm gonna keep that in. That was that was true. That was real life right there. So screw it. But yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Get executive that knows what they're talking about. If they're gonna talk to the media, but don't because unfortunately these PR people, they try and train their 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 people to be these robots, mm. stick to the scripts. And by then the executive is going into this media person thinking that they're being brought in front of Congress and that they're on trial. You're not. Just have an honest conversation. Yeah, you don't want somebody who just completely just shoots from the lip, right? But there's a balance there and too many technology companies just fail miserably at this. Yeah, or well, sometimes they you they get you a spokesperson, and all they can say is, "Uh, yeah, I can set up someone else to talk to you about that." Uh, although it never really happens after that, or they are like, "Um, well, I can't really, I can't really de- tell you the details right now. You'll have to wait yeah. for <laughs> the press release." <laughs> cool. I don't have to really write about this now, and you just wasted your time. You know, it's like because this is the other thing that that people need to understand. 90% of a journalist's job is wasting his or her time. Boom! Nailed it that time. Uh, it's wasting their time, right? It's You're doing research, you're calling around, you're trying to find a story angle, and then so many times you're having conversations with people, and those conversations go nowhere. Only a, a small fraction of the conversations that I actually have lead to stories, sometimes just that I better understand the market or whatever. So if you go and put a useless executive in front of me and we have a conversation and I'm just sitting there 20 minutes and before you know it, I'm looking at Twitter or something like that because this, I can just tell that this executive is just not going to be able to talk to me about anything pertinent, that they're not going to be able to get into the details, then, yeah, you wasted my time, but I'm used to my time being wasted. This ex- executive now is going to be asking you, the PR person, why wasn't that story? Why didn't they write about it? It's like oh, well, you did a great job. He's just a bad reporter. It's like, no, you just didn't give anything of use and you wasted my time. And again, I'm used to my time being wasted, but your time was also wasted. So congratulations, we both lose. Or 
you can give me some honest answers and we can have a real conversation and we can actually have an article that you know people will find interesting yeah <laughs> too much soapboxing box, yeah so anyway i guess before we go too off the rails <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly I mean, we have the rest of the year to go off the rails some more, and I'm pretty sure we will. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, if you are a PR firm or you're a, a user at a tech firm listening in, you know, if you do want to reach out, we're always here to talk and <laughs> waste your time. <laughs> and if if you're a tech company and you're looking to like, I don't know, two hundred thousand uh, dollars for somebody to run your pr operations i mean you know just shoot me an email i mean uh, maybe we can work something out here you know shit <laughs> exactly exactly i'll do your pr for you <laughs> somebody save me from being a t- trade technology uh, journalist <laughs> It's been 11 years. Tom Brady just won his seventh Super Bowl. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess we'll see you next week then. (laughs) Till next week. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) See if Tony wants to do this or not. You know, every time I'm like waiting on him. But anyway, that's what a a host does. You know, wait on her (laughs) co-host. Man. Good dismount to end the podcast on. <laughs> Should have cut that one off before. And here we are just stumbling to the finish line. <laughs> and we're finishing now. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>